1: If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down David and Jessica will turn it around They'll break down the rules
0: and they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank Lost And
1: This is why Blank Lost Ooh, Baby, this is why Blank Lost Welcome to this week's edition of Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and I lost my winner pick.
0: Mm, You did a sad, sad day for David Bloomberg. Yes. Mm.
1: This may be the first time I've lost mine before my co-host Jessica Lewis lost hers. So (sighs) congratulations, Jessica.
0: Oh, oh, so that's how it's going to be today. Don't worry. I came prepared because you might have forgotten, but Sophie was my choice. To go home this week, even though it was sad. Your choice. Your choice? She was, she was my pick. Your prediction. She was, she was my prediction, whatever you okay. want to call it.
1: Wow. Right. Needless
0: to say, I was apologetic to you then because I knew she was your winner pick, but I thought she was going to get voted out. And guess what, David Bloomberg?
1: She got voted out. <laughs>
0: And this is courtesy of my mother, because my mother was like, he might not mark it in that little notebook that you were right. So you should bring a sign. So There's my sign. <laughs> Everybody well, I'm knows. i not marking it in the notebook. You need to mark it in the notebook. But my mother was like, I dad is going to. So just putting that out there, in case you need to know. One. <laughs> Sorry, but I was right.
1: It's, it's good to see that you're putting your quarantine time to good use.
0: I know. I, that's what I did this morning. I made a poster. <laughs> In addition to vacuuming and doing some other randoms, yes. I made a poster. Yeah. So, yeah. We like posters around here. <laughs> so, anywho, I just need to get that out of the way. That was totally my mother's idea. She loves the show and she fully supports it. But she told me I definitely needed to make a sign.
1: All right. Well, now I know. I know where she stands.
0: No, I'm her daughter. She yeah, supports me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I was when I was watching, I was very sad about it. So thank you for you know rubbing that into me. And you started
0: uh, it. <laughs> I was gonna wait I, on the poster, and then you went well, there yeah. right away. <laughs> so what do you want me to do? Like just wait until a better moment arrives? No, that was the moment.
1: Yeah. Um, now I was even sadder to hear her say that she thought she was viewed as a lower tier winner coming into this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, for one, certainly never thought of her that way. And judging from the people I follow on Twitter, that was definitely not the overall opinion. And of course, the people I follow on Twitter are the brightest survivor minds. So you you
0: follow me on Twitter. Twitter, Yes, of course. course.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I I mean, so, you know, I'm not speaking for all of Twitter because Lord knows what all of Twitter is saying. Mm. Just the ones that, you know, I follow.
0: No, and I do agree that I think, Sophie, it's interesting because we've talked a lot about how some of these players have come into this season almost feeling like they have something to prove. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, in her pregame interview, she was talking about how she didn't feel like she needed to prove anything that she was, there was nothing from her old season that she thought she needed to fix. And she was kind of comfortable. She didn't need survivor. But then in another part of the interview, she kind of talked about needing to prove something. So there was kind of a mixed message coming from Sophie. So I don't know if she really truly felt like she didn't need to prove anything, but then obviously Hearing her say that, I think maybe that was in the back of her mind while she was playing with the people she was playing with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that was her first time. This is her second time. Yeah. And yeah, even, even though she was my winner pick, we'll still treat her just like anyone else and compare her game to rules. I originally wrote way back after season one and have been modifying ever since, looking at all the non-spoiler information available to us from... What we saw on TV, CBS All Access clips, and social media. Uh, the latest version of the rules, of course, which is not for this season, but uh, is for as rob has a website.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Or you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form yes. uh at tinyurl.com slash david rules poster two. Uh, we have previously announced that just as Rob has donated a ton of money to Direct Relief, an organization that provides protective equipment for doctors and nurses, we will donate the proceeds for every poster that we sell in April to that same charity. So everybody hurry up, get one or two or more, get for the whole family. Uh, again, that's tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2.
0: Yes, and it is a great cause, so please order. I will make sure to get those out to you because I'm the shipping department. And also, yes. if you are outside of the United States, I've talked to you about this previously. If you DM me on Twitter, I can make arrangements for you to get that. So don't worry about if you are not within the United States, you can still order a poster, and you can still donate to a good cause. So please do that. We're running out of time in April, but you've you've got some time left.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, in addition to the poster, we've mentioned also that you that we now have another way to get the rules, so that you can always have them with you. And that is T-shirt form. Yes. Uh, uh Just go to robhasawebsite dot com or robhasapodcast dot com and click the merch link uh, near the top. Uh, sort the store so new items are first, and poof, there they are in <laughs> men's and women's style.
0: Uh, the color so. looks really great too on the t-shirts. I'm very, yeah. I'm very happy. That's yes. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Now, there's one more t shirt I want to tell everyone about, and that's the one that I'm wearing right now. Uh, So let me. uh... (gasps) I did.
0: Yay, you got one. That's beautiful.
1: So that is, uh, you know, Jonathan Penner and all the winners at WarCast work together on these shirts. uh, And $10 of every shirt goes as a donation to Fighting ALS. Uh, You can get it at ken-u-print dot my dot com and of course I encourage everybody to you know be like me and have both shirts. This shirt, <laughs> this shirt you got this shirt.
0: I definitely got this, shirt.
1: Okay, <laughs> this so.
0: is like a little dance here. I like <laughs> yeah. it. You have quite the collection of t-shirts though I must say. I
1: do. Mm-hmm. I do. It's it's you know it's gotten to the point that when we have live events again, I I I have too many shirts to wear I have to change shirts multiple times a day you that's know, just all right.
0: to, switch it up so, you know they do that on right. like the Oscars and stuff you know whoever's yeah. hosting they change a lot you can do the same thing
1: yeah that's right I'll just you know I'll, I'll go to the know-it-alls and for the pre-show I'll wear, I'll wear one shirt and then I'll quick run and you know change into another shirt for later so people can take different pictures with me in different stages of I my wardrobe
0: it. love it my poster was in my so, way I hit it with my leg
1: you know uh oh <laughs> You should get rid of it. You'll never need it again.
0: Oh,
1: Oh,
0: Oh, Oh, oh. these are fighting (laughs) words. I might have to display this again later in the podcast. Hmm. All right. Well, I do need to get one of those shirts. I've been meaning to order Mm -hmm. it as well. So I've got to do that. Those are beautiful. shirts. Yeah. Yeah. And a great cause again.
1: Yes. All right. Uh, so, you know, we feel great love for Henner and his wife and, uh, you know, everything that he, they're doing there. So let's flip that emotion script right now from that love to the hate that I feel for the extortion advantage.
0: You hate it.
1: I hate it. Um, this will come as no surprise to regular listeners. Uh, but I don't think people who are out of the game should have that kind of power or any kind of power short of voting at the end. If you're on the jury. I know a lot of people have said, well, yeah, but it worked out okay and it provided us with entertainment. And wasn't that fun? But that doesn't stop my dislike of it. Yes, did I enjoy Tony running around? Yes, it was funny. But it's still results-oriented thinking, results-oriented thinking. What if Tony had not been able to come up with the fire tokens? And people looked at him and so now he's told multiple people that he can't play an immunity and he can't win. I mean, he can't vote. They figure, well, hmm, this is a great time to blindside him. Mm-hmm. And so he would have gotten the idol, put it in his pocket, thought that he was safe, and they'd have gotten rid of him. It was a perfectly possible outcome. And everyone would have been, every, everyone who was cheering, yeah, Tony, great Tony episode would have been screaming at their TVs and at the survivor producers.
0: That's true. That is true. Okay. Because Oh, go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I'll do the screaming for you or you know, just some loud complaining.
0: I am curious because if, well, if he hadn't gotten his vote, I mean, he can obviously still use his idol. So if he does yes. think that there's some possibility that he's going to get voted, he can still play his idol, even though he loses right. his vote. So there is that, but I do agree that it's, this is pushing the boundaries of, Edge of Extinction, we've already voiced our issues with it. We don't love Edge of Extinction Mm. because of so many things we've already spoken up, but I do feel like this is another layer. The mere fact that they're sending things into the game is hard enough, but then to see them sending something into the game that really can change the result of it entirely is pretty incredible. I mean, it's not like they're just saying, hey, I'll give you a chance to buy an individual, um, you know, an idol or something or a coin flip, which again, that mm-hmm. can change the, the direction of the game right, completely right. 100%. But I do feel like, yeah, this was a, this was different because I feel like with the other items, you really had a choice. You have a choice. Do you want this? Or do you not want it? Like, do you want to buy the coin flip? Or you, do you not want to buy the coin flip? And if you don't buy it, no fault, no game, right? On mm-hmm. this particular advantage, if you don't buy it, you lose. So you have to buy it. And that's why I feel it is different. It's definitely different because it is a different type of result. You don't have a choice anymore. You completely don't have a choice.
1: Yeah. The advantages are bad enough. Yeah. You know, the idols, because those can change the outcome. Because if someone is given immunity, well, then someone else is leaving. because of that
0: Mm
1: -hmm. if you play it right unless you know you give it away like sandra but um you know but like you said yeah this is being forced upon him and if he couldn't collect it he's screwed
0: right and that is so much different much different so
1: you know it's yes everything went well this time it was entertaining to see tony but i still i still hate it
0: yeah I could Love see Tony, that.
1: Love hate, hate, hate this. So
0: I could definitely see that for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, now, I, I have been asked on Twitter, because, you know, occasionally I voice my opinion on Twitter. I, I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> um, <laughs> might
0: um, have. Might have noticed
1: that. Might have noticed that. Um, so I was asked on Twitter if I'd be okay if it had come from someone within the game. And, you know, so like they've said before that they're not going to, you know, they're not going to have edge of extinction, but they are going to have fire tokens. So maybe if this had come from someone within the game, I am more okay with it being in the game, presuming it's far enough into the game for these people to have actually had a chance to meet. You know, we don't want something like this on day two from one tribe to the next tribe because nobody knows each other. yet. Right. Mm -hmm. If it were done, you know, by one in-game player to another at least there would be ownership and potential repercussions about it.
0: I think that might've been interesting too. And that was obviously Tony's take on it when it all started. And as he's reading through it, he thought that he was going to be able to extort someone and that he was going to be able to use this against them. And then that last little line at the end was like, this is being used against you. So I do feel like it could have been treated differently where it's an Even if Edge of Extinction wants to sell it to someone, treat it like any other advantage and say, you can buy this, but then you get to use it against somebody in the game. So I do think that that changes the possibility that one, Tony could have gotten all of the fire tokens because Mm -hmm. who's going to give him a fire token if they know that there's a chance he could use it against them. So it would have killed his ability to negotiate for those tokens because he can't be promising his vote because ultimately he's taking away someone else's. So I do think that that would have put a much different spin on all of it with how much it would have cost in order to get it and then his utilizing against somebody else. So, yeah, I do think that this particular advantage was much different than the rest and that there could have been a different way that it could have been introduced into the game
1: for sure. See, I I like what you mentioned there, that he could have bought this advantage to use against someone else. That would have been interesting. You know, minus, of course, the Edge of Extinction stuff. But like if he found it and it says you can use this if you pay three fire tokens for it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to think, am I going to make a profit on this?
0: Right. right. You
1: know, OK, I'm going to use three. I'm going to spend three and I'm going to have to extort someone for at least four to make money on this deal.
0: Hmm.
1: So it'd be an interesting uh, way to use it. It's
0: a different approach for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the producers are listening and they say, my God, Jessica had a great idea. <laughs> Jessica was right.
0: See my sign. There we go. That's right. See?
1: That's right. Ta-da! So do
0: that <laughs> I'll do it. At least one more time.
1: That's right. And it wasn't about me. So <laughs> All right. Um, okay. With that off my chest, unless you have anything else, we can move on to the rules.
0: No, I, I will say this. I do want to say okay. one thing about Tony. I know that people were very responsive to this episode because there was so much Tony and Tony really. Yes, he I mean, he definitely drove the episode. I think he had like 19 confessionals. It was kind of insane. Yeah, I think,
1: yes, yeah. it
0: was a lot. But I also I did appreciate it because there was incredible storytelling happening. I think we did learn a lot about the relationships of the players through mm-hmm. that storytelling. And I really did appreciate the way that Tony was telling the story. Tony's not usually the one that they go to to narrate anything, Uh, but he was doing so well Probably because
1: he's over there and over here. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. And and he had this calm about him. That was really nice. And I feel like he really was able to get some really great points across. You understood the strategy. You knew where he was coming from and you've got to give him credit for it. Even though there was that whole extortion thing happening, he really did drive the vote and made things happen that nobody saw coming. And so I feel like it would have been a disservice if he hadn't have gotten the attention he got. I understand people hope Sophie would have gotten more attention since she went out this episode, but there was so many incredible things that developed through this episode because of the way that it was told that I really loved it. I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: I mean, it was a much better episode than the previous week when we saw nothing of what was happening other than the loved ones
0: absolutely and this and this is why i think i i really enjoyed it because i understood what was transpiring and i saw all of the directions that it could go and where people's heads were at and it made me appreciate the end game i guess the final result because you were able to see where everybody's heads were at going into tribal and the things that they were contemplating so i really appreciated it
1: yeah and it still left it something of a mystery Mm, was mm -hmm. Jeremy going to go with him or was he not going to go with him? Right. And you know, that's what we like producers give us the whole background and leave a little mystery. That's fine. But we need to know what the options really are.
0: Absolutely. And I love that we didn't see the conversation between Michelle and Jeremy
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: that left a little more unknown. Like, did he get a chance to talk to her? Did she seem like this was something she was interested in doing? So I So there was some things left out that we weren't sure of, but we didn't need to know because it would have given it away. So I, I really liked the way that it came together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we can move on to the rules. Uh, Sophie came into the season viewed as somebody who wasn't a big threat. Did that change as the game went on? How did she end up as the target of Tony's move to make a minority into a majority? Is there anything she could have done about it? It's time to figure out why Sophie lost the first and most important rule of course talks about the need to scheme and plot and there's no doubt that Sophie is well-versed in this rule Uh, indeed Sophie's old ally Albert was interviewed by Mike Bloom for parade and he had some good insights into how she played both then and now Uh, for example he talked about Sophie serving as the cooler head in their alliance uh, quote, making sure they looked ahead to their position at the end rather than a flashy move at the moment. We saw a similar strategy this time, keeping things calm. And, you know, I, of course, am always in favor of someone who isn't just looking for a flashy move.
0: Yes. And I also appreciate her ability to, as she calls it, dodge the radar, that this is actually part of her strategy as well. She develops relationships with people who have egos people that she can have friendships with, but know that she could also turn on them as well. She's very mindful of who she's aligning herself with and how that will benefit her approach because she's not a big ego. She's not someone that wants to be in the forefront. And so I think she's done very well with that, both in South Pacific, but then also what we saw here. The relationships that she developed with people allowed her to kind of be in the shadows, but still people listened to her and they came to her and they talked to her. So she was always kind of lurking and it was so fun to watch.
1: I thought that was Nick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He lurks in a different way, much different way, but she just had this calmness about her when people would come to her and they were like Adam. We saw it multiple times where he was very worried and she was just kind of calming him down going, you don't need to worry about it because if, Mm -hmm. if you are, then I should be and I'm not. So it's fine. And I really loved her approach in that way because she that was part of her strategy was that I'm going to develop these relationships with people, but I'm also going to dodge the radar, which I thought was a wonderful way to phrase it. It wasn't just fly below the radar. No, she was dodging it, which I thought she did exceptionally well. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of other examples of her subtle gameplay this season, too. Jeff Probst said in Entertainment Weekly, she is one of my favorite winners because of her stealth mode. Mm -hmm. She has an incredible ability to seemingly disappear, even though she's standing right in front of you, listening to every word you are saying. And the thing is, she wouldn't only be listening, but also reframing what was being said. Uh, For example, at the Swap Tribal Council, uh, Jeff Probst was talking about finding cracks in the alliance. And I I like the way Sophie refocused the conversation by saying, well, you know, that implies we're invaders. We're not invaders. We, we want to build alliances too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that her ability to take a conversation and make someone look at it differently enabled her to make those relationships with people even stronger because she didn't come across as threatening when she was doing it. She was just giving them a different way to look at it. And I think that her ability to make someone feel better about a choice that they wanted to make really helped her further her game and those relationships that she created. So I I give her full credit for the strategy that she brought into this game and that she's able to do something that I don't think very many survivors are able to do. That stealth mode is very, very difficult because people want resumes and people want flashy moves and they want everybody to know what they did. Mm -hmm. where Sophie is the type of person who already pulled it off. Once she was able to sit in her final tribal council and tell everybody what she did and convince a jury of everything she did. And she didn't need to have the big flashy moves to do it, but she had the resume still built because of the relationship she had developed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, she, she started her scheming early in the game, uh, partially thanks to Yule approaching her for an Alliance. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Albert, uh, again, in the Parade article said, Sophie is a very logical choice for an early game ally. She has a very calm, even keel disposition in a game of constant chaos. Steady and rational thinkers are very attractive early game commodities. And again, steady and rational thinking, definitely my thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really no wonder I selected her as my winner. pick. Uh, now, last week, we mentioned that Tyson was outschemed by Sophie and company, and he was not the first person this season to fall to her. Uh, Albert was asked about Sophie being the architect behind the Wendell vote, for example. And he said it was classic Sophie remove quote, remove a player she does not have close ties to, weaken a strong player in the game who's growing ever more so a big threat to win. It's post merge survivor at its most fun- fundamental. Sophie does not mess up fundamentals.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I don't want to jump ahead because I, oh,
1: well, don't jump ahead then. <laughs>
0: I saw myself.
1: Yes. Um, Now I I mentioned in our preview podcast that when I interviewed her after her win, she talked about how she felt like she was new. she knew what was going on all the time and nothing ever happened that she didn't want to happen. Uh, So, you know, she was pretty well controlling the game, made tight allies who wouldn't flip worked to keep her alliance together while staying at the center of it. And I would say the same thing happened this season. Right up until the very end. Mm-hmm. And then Tony happened.
0: Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, yeah, you know, last week she was talking about the wars. She said, Well, the war is happening tonight. It turned out that was not exactly the war to end all wars because Tony decided to create a revolution. Uh, the amazing thing is that Sophie actually predicted this would happen six years ago when she was on a podcast with Rob after Tony had voted out LJ. So the RHAP archives, Twitter account found a clip where Rob asked her if she would work with or against Tony on a hypothetical season. And she said she didn't think she could give herself enough credit that she would see through Tony. Mm. So her strategic analysis was unfortunately dead on that her in-game read would not be quite so dead on.
0: That's interesting because I do think at least from what was presented in the episode, that the only one who really got the read on Tony and how he was playing both sides was Kim, And it did seem to be missed on everybody else. I mean, Jeremy was just all into Tony and this is, this is happening. And and I Mm -hmm. totally trust him 100%. And the only one who really seemed to have any hesitancy at all was Kim. And then she presented that to Denise. So we didn't see much as far as her response to Tony just, I don't know if there was a whole lot of conversations that we saw this episode between Sophie and Tony, but they clearly mm, must have no. talked. And she she did say that she had an eerie feeling um, that she wished she had listened to her gut because something about the day didn't feel right. But she also said she'd never been voted out before. So she doesn't know if maybe that's the feeling that you get when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe she did have a sense of something going on, but there's also this idea that you've got the numbers and she was really controlling that vote, that they were going to split the vote and who was going to vote for who and how it was going to go down. So maybe that gave her a little bit of a sense of control because she was the one that was kind of calling the shots. But unfortunately, she missed the fact that Tony was you know, around here doing the same thing, but with everybody else. So it is it is too bad that uh, that she missed out on that read right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there wasn't much time to read it. And Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later, but it's not like he had been planning this for three days. Right.
0: Oh, for sure. And he and I do think that obviously we're not talking about Tony's strategy here, but the fact that he knew enough to wait as long as he could before he presented this information is genius, because that's how everything falls apart. When everybody catches wind of something too soon. Whereas he knew I can't let anybody catch wind of this too soon. So yeah. to his benefit and to, you know, he did exactly what he needed right. to do, but it was to her detriment. Yeah.
1: All right. We could move on to the second rule, which says not to scheme and plot too much to keep your scheming secret and not to backstab too soon. I want to thank Jeremy for paraphrasing this rule in tribal council. As he said, if you want to make a good move, you got to make sure you're not making it too early because you can't beat anybody at the end. If you don't get to the end. Mm hmm. And that is something we talk about quite a bit here, uh, because while big moves are often entertaining, and Jeff Probst loves them, of course, uh, they can also turn around and bite you on the ass. For sure. Uh, that is definitely, though, not something Sophie had to worry about, as we just discussed in the first.
0: Right. But I do think that part of Sophie's issue, and this is what I talked about last week when I was making my prediction, is that. The first time we ever really saw Sophie publicly in front of everybody make a move was that whole, hey, the five of us need to come over here and talk. And I think that in that moment, it solidified this idea that Sophie is really running the show. And I think that that is probably what played into Tony's desire to separate her from Sarah because she's really taking control and he doesn't want Sophie to have control. And I I think that that right there was a potential slip up for Sophie and the scheming and plotting, you know, I mean, out in the open, calling them out saying, let's just divide five of us over here. I think was, that was a problematic decision for her.
1: I see what you're saying. Um, I think what was more problematic was just being an obvious duo with, so with Sarah.
0: Oh, for sure. That's part because, of it as well.
1: because, you know, long before—well, I don't know about long—several, a, a vote or two before, she, you know, got up and took everybody aside. Jeremy already wanted to split the two of them, and Tony held him back at the time. You know, it was—it was clear that they were too close to each other. They were sitting on the swing of death together.
0: Oh, that damn swing! I know. Don't even get me started. But here's the difference, though. I think in that tribal council, if Sarah had stood up and said, "Hey, all right, five of us, let's go over here." That wouldn't have rubbed Tony the wrong or yeah, Tony the wrong way. I mm-hmm. think Tony would have been fine with that because Sarah's with him, whereas Sophie is not necessarily with him. He's part of her group, but it's not part of the close relationship like he has with Sarah. And so I feel like when you're trying to one, you want Sarah back for sure. So that duo is a problem right from the start, that it's an obvious duo, and Tony wants Sarah back. But then at the same time, she's called attention to herself. So the fact that she Mm -hmm. did that, I think that the presentation of Tony saying, hey, let's vote out Sophie. Everyone in the back of their mind is remembering tribal council, how she took control of that group of five. And I feel like that's just one more reason why people could have said, you know what? Yeah, Sophie's really good at what she's doing and she's really good at bringing people together. And she's very clear on what the divisions are. These five are over here and we four are over here. So I I do think that that was just one more additional part that added to that concern with the duo.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly possible, and I was planning on bringing it up later anyway. But um,
0: <laughs> I give up. No, no no,
1: it's, no, 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 no. You're fine. It's it could go in either place. I didn't view it quite the same way, but you're right. Uh, So hold up your poster. I,
0: yes, um, I get another one. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You were right. See. Uh, it's <laughs> fantastic
1: now uh, now the thing is other than that aspect of things <laughs> we often talk about people overdoing it and spooking their own allies mm. which is you know different uh more like what adam did uh but you know, sophie understood the need to avoid that saying in an earlier tribal council that the hardest thing is not being in every conversation to show your allies that you trust them mm-hmm which I think was also directed at Adam when she said that. Uh, But yeah, you know, then, then she went on the swing of death and that was the end of it.
0: That was the end of it. Don't sit on that damn swing. Too late.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and in the past we've had, we've had the hammock of death. Mm -hmm. We've had the swing of death now. And uh, you know, that the swing of death claimed at least three games, including the man who built it.
0: I know that's crazy. Uh, So,
1: I said on Twitter that basically anything that swings back and forth is dangerous. And my old friend and reality news online writer, Bill Hammond agreed saying, yes, you know, anything that swings back and forth is dangerous. Hammocks swings, Tony.
0: (laughs) That's true. That is true.
1: Now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. We're back. So let's get back to the show. All right. Well, the third rule talks about being flexible. And once again, I'm going to go with what Albert said in his parade interview, uh, noting one of Sophie's biggest strengths in the game is her ability to adapt and work with a wide range of archetypes. Mm -hmm. Then he added that Sarah and Sophie may be different in a lot of ways, but they are both major gamers. Sophie also worked with Yule, Adam, Ben, Nick, and others along the way, despite all of them having very different playing styles. For
0: sure. And didn't Kim tell her about the half of the idol thing, which Sophie wasn't that? And Sophie was surprised because they, you know, they, they didn't really have the same approach. So I I do agree. I think that she has an ability to really, to really figure out what each person is like, what would work well with each person. I mean, I I hate to bring up coach um, because obviously that's not the season we're talking about, but, That's someone I thought you
1: just hated to bring up coach. Oh, no, no, no.
0: I love coach. He's great. But I I think that coach is a perfect example of of how Sophie is so good at understanding how to work with people and and really realizing what they need in order to benefit herself and kind of stroking egos, if you will. So I think that she's very good at how she utilizes what she knows about people and then takes that to the next level in in her gameplay.
1: Yeah. And also she was willing to change the way things were going when necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, she had formed what looked like a pretty solid alliance with Adam or at least he thought it was pretty solid. Uh, and, but when the tide turned against, against Adam, she was willing to cut him right after telling him once again, you know, we had, you had mentioned this before that she had said to him, yeah, it'll be okay. Right. Well, the second time or the third or whatever time it was by that point, it wasn't going to be okay because she needed to get rid of him. You know, she, she had her finger on the pulse of the tribe and she could both direct it and kind of move with it.
0: And one of the things she did say in pregame interviews was it's not enough to have a two or three person alliance. That's really close. You have to have a relationship with every single person so that you can, at the flip of a dime, switch over to someone. So that just tells you right there that she's very willing to work whatever angle she needs to work in order to, Go further in
1: the game yeah all right the fourth rule tells players not to let their emotions control them and we just talked about how she cut Adam, despite appearing to be tight together uh the same was true about everybody else she played survivor as a game and as jeff probst said in entertainment weekly she rarely plays from an emotional standpoint i can't think of any time that she did can you
0: No, I think the only time we really saw her get emotional was after she got voted out. I think that was it. I mean, she did very well of keeping herself in check and Mm -hmm. and not making decisions based on emotion, but making decisions based on what was going to be beneficial to her game or what was going to be beneficial to the alliance and still managing other people's emotions while she was doing it, which was wonderful. It was great to see her calming people down and especially Adam, making them not feel like they they need to be so worried. She just had that effect on people. And I think that she had a very you know, calm nature about her when she was out there. And you definitely saw that come across on the screen.
1: Right, right. All right. The fifth rule is all about the social game and reminds players they need to be pretend to be nice. Sophie told ET Canada in the pregame that she worried because she can be an introvert. Did you see this or anything else about her social game as being a problem?
0: No, I actually really enjoyed watching Sophie form relationships with people and I do feel like we saw a different Sophie than we've seen previously and she was a very mature was she 21 or 22 when she played last time
1: feel like 23 but I could be thinking of someone else
0: she was obviously very mature whatever it was yeah yeah. but she so she was young and one of the youngest of her the the Alliance of Mm -hmm. Five that she managed to form but she had a maturity about her and I think we saw an even more mature Sophie because I feel like now she's She's kind of more settled in her existence and her life. And she knows what she's doing. And, and so there was, I think that's where that calmness came from. And she knows that the relationship component is very, very important in this game. And she's made that very clear in every interview she's ever given. And she was really good at it. She was very good at it and forming very close relationships. And the fact that she had formed such a close bond with Sarah, I think really speaks volumes of her willingness to work with people who were deemed very threatening or viewed very threatening on the on, you know, the, the start of this game, right? And then she actually used that to her benefit and created that bond with Sarah. So I think that she's her social gameplay was on par,
1: yeah. I, I'd say she seemed to get along with everybody, even when she was on opposite sides, although the sides are shifting, she would still talk to people mm-hmm. and generally just be a nice person, you know, she'd they'd still have conversations and everything, right? So all right. The sixth rule were warns against being too much of a threat and coming into the season. You know, we, we already talked about it a little bit. She wasn't seen as a big threat. Uh, in our preview podcast, I said she fell in the middle. She wasn't too much of a threat, but she also wasn't a complete non threat or viewed as one who might've been targeted because so many non threats win seasons like this, right. you know, like we talked about the most threatening, least threatening person. Yeah. She was not right. Uh, Jeff Probst even said in Entertainment Weekly, uh, I have always thought Sophie was vastly underrated and that it would work to her advantage this season because there are so many shiny players who call attention to themselves. I like the shiny players. Uh, it, you know, As the game went on, I would say her threat level was inching up, though it wasn't yet something that she would have expected to kind of leap out of the bushes and swallow her. Yes, But she was talked about as a target the past couple tribal councils and this is where i was going to bring it up anyway stepping up at that last tribal council and pulling her group aside could certainly have reinforced that view especially in tony's mind Mm -hmm. plus of course she was a specific threat to tony in his mind because he wanted sarah all to himself
0: yes and also in addition to that in her previous season she won three immunity challenges so she's certainly someone who can win immunities And not that anyone but Sarah knows this. I mean, she had an idol in her pocket. So and there's the pocket. Yeah, it was was somewhere else. That must have been a little painful. But yeah, it was somewhere else. Um, But I do think that there was a lot of levels to Sophie that that made her threat level rise the further the game went on. Because you have someone who is very well spoken. I think in front of a jury, she did exceptionally well. When she won, she would do the same in front of this group. And I do think that her ability to move her way through this group in the way that she was, she's not really upsetting anyone or offending anyone in the way that she's doing it. She, she's not someone who wants those big flashy moves, because I don't think she wants to sit at the end and have to apologize for anything. I think she right. wants to just explain what she did and why she did it, whereas someone like Tony might have to apologize for things that he's done and try to win favor back. Whereas Sophie just wants to explain. And I do think that that's someone who is very threatening to sit next to in a final three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, her her abilities and challenges. Uh, you know, Kim even told her husband in the loves one, loved one's secret scene that Sophie was killing it at Puzzles.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, do I think that that was the main reason why Tony jumped on this? No. But, you know, it all adds up. It might have been in the back of their minds.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things there with Sophie. And I do think that Tony really wants Sarah back. And I think that was a big part of why she was the focal point. But there are so many other things there that he can also point to to make other people say, hey, you know what? You're right. Like, he doesn't have to go to them and say, listen, she's too close to Sarah and I want Sarah. He can reference any number of things as to why Sophie should be the one they vote for.
1: All right, we can move on to the seventh rule, which covers idols and advantages. And as we just kind of hinted at, Sophie was sent out of the game with the idol in her, well, crotch, according to what she said after having her torch snuffed. Mm. Um, What do you think about her being voted out while holding that idol?
0: Oh, that has got to be the worst feeling in the world. (laughs) But I, I don't think that it was a misplay for her to not play it, because obviously in her mind, she thought that that group of five was solid, so solid that they could split the votes. I mean, she really worked through the computations in her mind as to okay, if we split the votes and they put votes on someone else, then on the revote we vote whoever they voted for, and it's fine. So she really went through all of the layers that she could, and I think that. She wasn't feeling the pressure like she needed to use an idol. She's not in Jeremy's situation where he's being targeted Mm -hmm. openly and people want to vote for him. And and that's a very well-known fact. That's not her case. And I think that Tony just did a really good job of how he laid this out. We already talked about how close in time it was before tribal that this actually happened. And he went to people that he knew would not go back and tell Sophie. Because he went to people that were in danger. You know, you go to someone like Jeremy who's going to get voted out. Jeremy's not going to be running around and telling people what happened because he already knows he's on the outs. He doesn't need to have this reaffirmed. He knows the position he's in. And so I really do think for her walking into that tribal thinking, I don't need to play my idol. It's not that it doesn't make sense. And I'm glad she at least brought it. It's not like she left it back at camp. She at least had it. But again, nobody gave any indication during that tribal council that there was anything amiss. Yeah.
1: You know, we often say it's better to use your idol if you have any thought it might be you. But we talked about earlier, she had such a good read on things to this point. Mm -hmm. And like you said, she had no reason whatsoever to think she needed to play it. And yes, you know, credit to Tony because of the way he planned things there. Waiting until it was almost time to go to Tribal Council, you know, removes a lot of the possibility that whispers could have gotten back to Sophie and alerted her.
0: Mm And he was also very smart in the way that he did it. And I'm going to talk to this person and make that person talk to that person. So it
1: so that I'm not. yeah, Right.
0: So it limited the possibility that he could be seen speaking to people Mm -hmm. who are on the outs.
1: Yeah. Now, besides her own idol, this rule covers the whole range of the topic. And one of my favorite scenes from last week was when Kim pulled out the idol and was deciding how to play it. And she looked at the alliance of five she was up against. And four of them were like, "Mm -hmm," you know, avoiding her. (laughs) And Sophie was just (laughs) staring at her like, go ahead. I dare you. Try to get a read. You're not getting anything. Yeah. Try to get a
0: read. (laughs) That's good. Mm -hmm. She's got a good stare about her for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't beat Jeremy, though. Oh, my God. The looks. The daggers oh, coming between, from his yeah. eyes and yes. not just in this episode, but in so many episodes, Jeremy has just had this look about him. I love it. It's so entertaining. It's great.
1: All right, let's go to appendix a, which is about the rest of the tribe, keeping their end goals in mind when voting. And of course we talk about how the players should vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong, which was even referenced in last week's Wandoff. Um, yeah, generally, we are still in the phase of voting out stronger players, but on this season, well I can describe almost everybody. Uh however, Sophie most definitely fits in the category of one of the strongest at the time mm-hmm. for all the reasons we've already discussed. Then again, so does Jeremy. We, you know, we need to look at it from the different perspectives. From Tony's point of view, which probably the most important in this, you know, episode. Jeff Probst said on his weekly recap that he thinks Tony made a really good move to bring Sarah back to him. But he also said the move won't go over well with Sarah. Now these seem to be contradictory positions. And I frequently wonder how somebody thinks voting off a tight ally of your ally will make that person closer to you when you've double crossed them. Mm -hmm. But as Rob has pointed out, that's what Tony did his first season. So it clearly works sometimes. And for some people, right. the question is whether Sarah and others are going to let that happen again.
0: Well, and what I find interesting about that point of voting out the other person's close ally in order to bring them closer is that we actually saw Sophie do this at the merge where she wanted to split up Wendell and Jeremy, because she recognized that they were close And not that she was looking for any of them to come and work for her, but she understood that that was a very tight duo. They were growing it up Mm -hmm. and that one of them needed to go. And she had to decide who would I rather have around Wendell or Jeremy. And she went with Jeremy. And so it's not a a bad idea to want to split up a duo at all. But I just think it's interesting that she did that same exact thing. She wanted to split up a duo Tony's doing the same exact thing, but the difference with Tony is that he wants to now be that other half. However, we also saw Jeremy talk about the same thing in regards to Wendell. He wanted to vote Nick out because he wanted to be Wendell's number two. So he thought voting out Nick would be a good thing. So there does seem to be this idea that if we take out that person, it will make this person have to come become closer to me in some weird survivor existence. And It might very well work because you might run out of options of where to go next if that person is gone. But I do think that Tony's problem here is that this was all Tony. It's not like this was a group that came together and said, "Okay, this is what we need to do. Like the Wendell vote, people all kind of came together. Mm -hmm. This was Tony spinning his wheels and coming up with this play. So I think it's going to be very hard for him to justify to Sarah why he did what he did and try to gain any favor from her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, as for Tony's allies, I mean, Jeremy pretty much had to believe Tony and go with Mm him. Because as crazy as it may have sounded to Jeremy at the time, I don't know what Tony would have had to gain by lying to him at that point. Uh, And then Michelle was in the same boat. You know, we saw Tony talking to Nick about it. And Nick took, you know, a, a couple minutes to think about it. And then he jumped on board. And I'd say it was probably a good move for him because... It took him from likely the bottom of his current alliance to the heart of a new one. Mm. If it sticks together and doesn't swing again. You know, I, I do think Nick and potentially Michelle are playing the roles of swing votes here.
0: Oh, and I agree. But I do think that the problem with Nick is that he's been viewed as a swing vote and he doesn't really have any type anyone. Like there's no one that's like wanting to work with Nick. They all think he's a little bit shady and sneaky and he bumps into conversations and you know, that that whole montage we saw of Nick kind of just showing pops up to Tony, <laughs> yes.
1: pops up to yes. Tony when Tony's out searching for an idol. Yes. Like, well, where'd you come yes. from? So
0: I think that there is a difference there with Nick that he's rubbing people the wrong way. So being a swing vote is one thing and it's great to be needed as that vote. But at the same time, if people don't trust you, they don't necessarily want to play with you then I don't know if it's necessarily as beneficial to him because he doesn't seem to really fit anywhere.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see as time goes on here with, you know, what that looks like. Now we were asked on Twitter by Margaret thinks if Kim and Denise made a mistake in letting Tony know they were double crossing Jeremy. And I don't think they did because Kim and East thought they were temporarily moving over to the majority Alliance. They wanted to show that group their good faith, which means there was really no way to hide it from Tony. You know, they had no idea that Tony would flip like that. Just like Sophie and Sarah had no idea. Nobody knew Tony would flip like that. So I don't think we can blame the two of them for letting
0: him know that. No. And I, I don't think that that was a fault for them either because they really thought that Tony was part of that group. And also, what other options do they have? They know that the numbers right. are not on their side. And so, and they don't believe what Tony is, is saying. You know, they don't, they don't believe that he's not playing both sides. We've already talked about how Kim had that read on him too. So I do think that they're both approaching this game in a way, and I think more Denise than Kim, where those alliances are very fluid. And Denise has said in more than one confessional, I've saved you once I'm, I'm done saving you. And she talked about Adam very similarly. Now she's talking about Jeremy the same way she recognizes like their game is done and my game shouldn't be done because of their game. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to move over where there's more people and that'll carry me along further, gain some favor there and hopefully keep my life in this game moving along. I can't help them anymore. I've done what I can. And so she's very, She's just very aware of the circumstances. And and I do think that both of them were playing to try to benefit themselves. And unfortunately, now they're going to have to apologize to Jeremy and see where that ends up leaving them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's about time to wrap things up. So what are your final thoughts?
0: My final thoughts are... I was right. I'm sorry, Sophie. I knew you were going to say that. I
1: expected, <laughs> I expected the poster to come up, actually.
0: No, I listen, I, I really did think that Sophie had put herself in a tough spot with that um, calling everyone over in that initial, you know, that tribal council that went crazy and, and calling out the five, shining a light on herself and really doing something that's not Sophie-like. Sophie is not someone that wants to be seen as making the big moves and being flashy and calling attention to herself. In that moment, she did. And unfortunately for her, I think that that coupled with the way she was playing the game, she was very tight with Sarah. And I think Tony is getting a little, um, there's some ownership there. Like he wants to be able to play the game with with Sarah. It's cops are us. And Sophie's not a cop. And so I, I think that part of what we saw happen was trying to eliminate someone who is deemed as a threat in this game. She's very good socially. She's someone who's potentially going to sit in front of a jury and do very, very well. She doesn't have the sporadic gameplay that everyone is expecting of Tony, even though he's kept it under wraps until this week. So I do think that in Tony's mind, she's someone who is a direct threat to his game. And unfortunately for her, she ended up becoming his target because he wanted to protect himself and an alliance he had created with Sarah. It was a weird way for him to go about doing it, obviously because he's, taking out Sarah's other, you know, right-hand person. And I don't know if he can really fix that relationship between he and Sarah. But I think Sophie just found herself in a spot where she became a target because of a relationship. And then she became more of a threat by the manner in which she was maintaining herself in this tribe. So I do think that for Sophie, she played this game very similar to the way we saw her play her first game. There was that calmness about her. She was kind of, you know, under the radar. She was doing a great job with doing that. And because of that, it caused her to be more of a threat. And I do think that playing a little bit differently than Sophie had played previously is really what caused her demise.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a a lot of agreement there, obviously. Sophie came into the season in what I obviously thought was a great position. She wasn't a big threat, but she also wasn't enough of a lesser threat. She wasn't a flashy player and, in fact, was against unnecessary flashiness. So that helped keep attention away from her as well. She made early allies. She increased her options with more allies as she went along. She tried to stay solid with them and knew when she had to cut them free. But two things happened as the game progressed. One... Her threat level started to grow as people saw what she could accomplish in the game. And it also grew because of the second part, which was the obvious duo that had formed between herself and Sarah. Jeremy wanted to target it earlier, but Tony stopped him. However, it became too much for him because he wanted his Sarah back. Sophie knew pretty much everything that was going on in the game, and it seemed like she had even those two points under control. But if there's one thing you can't control on Survivor... It's Tony. (laughs) And if there's an even more uncontrollable person, it's Tony on an adrenaline high after finding an idol, overcoming extortion and winning immunity. Mm -hmm. Sophie predicted it herself six years ago. She just didn't see Tony coming. She needed to be ready. He was coming for her. And that is why Sophie lost.
0: You're not going to sing? No. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and here's an interesting note about Sophie as well, because now she's going to be on Edge of Extinction, right? And we know that someone from Edge of Extinction is going to come back into the game again.
1: La 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 la. I know, okay. I know.
0: But when she was on South Pacific, if everyone remembers, there was Redemption Island, and she actually talked about Co- or she talked to coach about the fact that if Ozzy returned from Redemption Island, that he's likely to win because he's been living with the jury. So she said that way back then. So see, she was predicting her issues with Tony.
1: She's good at predicting. She really is.
0: I was like, oh, look at that. She said the same thing we've been saying since they decided to do Extinction Island. So I thought that was interesting. So if, you know, maybe that will be in the back of her mind as she's living amongst the jurors and the potential of one of them coming back into the game. Yeah. Maybe it'll be her. Who knows? Yeah,
1: it could. All right. Before we get to our predictions, I just want to remind everyone that the rules we just discussed are available in both poster mm-hmm. and T-shirt Yay. form. Uh, for the shirt, go to robhaswebsite.com or robhaspodcast.com and click on the merch link. Uh, then sort to see newer items first. For the poster, go to tinyurl.com slash poster 2 and remember, we'll be donating the proceeds of every poster sale this month. Speaking of donating proceeds, remember this shirt as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can find that uh, either at the link I mentioned earlier or uh, Jonathan Penner has it on his Twitter, or at least he tweeted about it. And so did a lot of the other winners at war this season. So, you know, you can get that and $10 will go towards uh, the fight against ALS. Excellent. Prediction time. Mm only we had Sophie here to help us.
0: I know production. she's so good at this stuff.
1: <sighs> All right. So what we know will happen next time. <laughs> Sarah's mad. <laughs> How mad? Well, someone posted a gif of an angry person on Twitter to represent her after the oh, vote. That's great. And she responded, not even close. This is a five. I was at a 12 with an angry face emotion. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And, then she tweeted a gif of a volcano erupting and said, when we get back to camp after tribal at Tony Vlacho 73. Mm. In both previews that are out there, we see her telling Tony he sunk her game and she tells him, never speak to me again. Uh, okay. Now that's her. Meanwhile, in the preview, we see Ben telling Tony, don't get paranoid, and Tony says he isn't. Yeah, okay. But he also creates a spy nest in the tree to keep an eye on people. So, yeah, he's paranoid. Uh, and we also see Kim and Michelle talk, talk about targeting Tony. This all brings up the question of whether Tony is actually going to be leaving. He would be a pretty obvious one. Normally, I would follow Hubiki's law and say he's featured too heavily in the previews to be the one voted out. But this is Tony and producers, know viewers want more Tony, especially after this episode. So I could see him getting booted this week. You know, I don't think we can make the judgment solely on the preview. With all that said, I don't think he will. be. Um, I think Sarah will cool off a bit. And I think Tony is going to need to do something to prove himself to her. What could that be? Voting out Jeremy. Jeremy has been the target for so long now that I think that's the only way Tony will appease Sarah and the rest of his alliance. And after all flipping back and forth, that's his thing. So I'm predicting he does it. And Mm. Jeremy, Jeremy goes next.
0: That's very sad. That's not as sad
1: as when my winner pick left, but yes, I know
0: that was sad. So here are my thoughts when I was looking at who is left. And we've, we've talked a little bit about this of who actually is still kind of working together and who has a group of people. Mm -hmm. Now Jeremy at least has Michelle. And the one thing that I think everybody is mindful of, as far as Jeremy is concerned, especially Tony is that he's a meat shield for Tony. Because I do think that Tony recognizes as soon as Jeremy goes, he is going to be the next target. Now, if he's managing to convince everybody to vote for Jeremy this week, maybe his plan would be I'll use my idol next week, but that's only going to get him so far. So I don't think that Jeremy would definitely be going home because I do think (coughs) that Tony is thinking he is going to be my shield. And yes, Sarah's going to be angry. Tony's going to try to make amends with Sarah and it's not going to work because Sarah's angry and I don't think she's going to make amends with Tony. So Tony, where's Tony going to go then? He's going to go to Jeremy. He's going to need somebody because he tried to get back with Sarah and that didn't work. And so he's going to need Jeremy. And he's just, I think, bought himself a whole lot of goodwill with Jeremy because he is the one that saved Jeremy. So, hey, Jeremy, what do you want to do? Well, what did Jeremy want to do? Jeremy wanted to vote Ben out. And I think Mm. that Ben Mm. was one of those people that found himself in the minority with that last vote. And in order to keep Jeremy in Tony's pocket, I think he's going to do exactly what Jeremy wanted and get rid of Ben. That's my prediction.
1: Okay. But the only reason, so Tony didn't have a majority this time. He had a plurality. Yes. It was a 4-3-2. And now it's 4-4 if that group stays solid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who, is Tony, who are Tony and Jeremy going to pull over?
0: Well, Michelle is obviously still close with, right. with Jeremy. I think Nick is that person who's that swing boat we talked about. And I, but He
1: was already with them, yeah.
0: Yes, but then you also have Denise and Kim who okay. are going back and forth. And I don't think Denise and Kim have committed themselves anywhere. And even Kim said, I feel like this is very dangerous that we're going over onto this side. Because we haven't been playing with these people. And I think Kim and Denise are going to realize, ah, oh, crap, maybe we shouldn't have done what we did and go make nice yeah. with Jeremy. And so I do think that in order to get the numbers back, all of those people like Kim and Denise are going to realize, let's come over here. Let's vote as a group. So then it's on a four four because we don't want to go to rocks. Mm-hmm. And then that way we can keep moving forward, which puts Sarah in a very bad spot because clearly she is way on the outside. So that's my prediction.
1: All right. Yeah. That makes sense. So Ben or Jeremy. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, as we wrap up, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at robhiswebsite.com slash patron. Uh, We mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, Rob was giving a lot of money to direct relief. And for every patron who joins in April, which is running out, he's donating their April subscription to Uh, That that organization and on top of it, he is matching that donation. So if you've been thinking about joining now is definitely the time. Once you join, you'll see that Rob does at least nine patron only call in shows a month, plus a weekly Q&A show with Nicole. And I think I'm short on that now because I think he added a well, he did. He added patron pub trivia quiz. I don't know if that counts as a call in show, but that's weekly as well. So now you got four more shows a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, additionally, several shows have been live streaming to patrons. Plus, there are the discounts and first access to live show tickets. You know, when we can leave again. Um, In the meantime, there are the Facebook groups to keep you occupied with a great community of people, including both of us. Uh, And you can talk about Survivor, Big Brother, less so right now, or just life in general. Uh, Remember, again, to go to RobHasAWebsite.com slash patron. And once you get there, make sure to say hello to us. Yes,
0: please say hi. And you can also say hi to us on Twitter. I am at JessicaLewis89. And David is at David Bloomberg. And you should follow both of us to get both sides of the story. And you can see all of the wonderful selfies that David posts of himself because he likes to do that a lot. (laughs) In all of his T-shirts. But, yes, so I am at Jessica Lewis 89 and he is at David Bloomberg. And you should certainly become a patron as well, because I've said it before, the extras that come with being a patron are just incredible, and it's a wonderful group of people who share the same likes that you do. So it's it's a wonderful community to join, because you can communicate about all of those the television shows that you appreciate, and it's people that really understand where you're coming from. So you should definitely become a patron as well.
1: Okay. Uh, so uh, for the hashtag... I think there's only one possibility. What does it say on your poster? I
0: was right.
1: That's right. So you, everybody, hashtag I was right. Yes. <laughs> and then we won't discuss who the I was in that case. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good uh,
0: hashtag. I was right. Yes,
1: hashtag I was right. And of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall. YX lost. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to all of the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor, or just go to your favorite podcatcher on your phone. Uh, We also are on the Reality TV ups feed. In both places, you can find other great content like Know-It-Alls, The Wiggle Room, The B&B, This Weekend Survivor, and much more.
0: Yes, and we would like to say thank you to Scott St. Pierre, who does all of the editing for Why Blank Lost and also Will from America for the incredible theme song that he created, which you only hear on the audio version, not the video version. However, there's an added bonus with the video version because you get to see us. So if you want to hear the song, go there. If you want to see us, come here. But, yeah, so thank you to both of those fine gentlemen for all of the great work that they do.
1: Okay. And thank you, Jessica, for another great week, even though you had to rub in my face that you were right and I lost my winner. I
0: know, but listen, you started it. You went there I would, I,
1: I don't right know what
0: away. Right about. away. I was gonna give it some time. I, I, so. I was gonna let it build up no, a little I, I, bit I, I, and be kind. There's video
1: evidence. No, no, no. No, I yeah, don't oh, think there is video uh, yeah. evidence
0: of you yes. being aggressive right away <laughs> of causing <laughs> me to have to come back with my poster. I was gonna hold off. I was gonna mm-hmm. I was gonna be supportive of you.
1: When wait wait, when did when did you make that poster?
0: Okay, so I made the poster this morning.
1: Oh, so you made the poster before the podcast even sure. started, and yet you're blaming me? No, no, no. Me.
0: but see, here's the thing. Ah, I see no, how no, no. this when, is. Okay. When the podcast started, uh-huh. I was going to be no, supportive no, that's of it. you.
1: No, no, okay, that's it. We're done. That's it. All right, everybody. <laughs>
0: everybody <laughs> can watch and see. He started it, and then I had to respond. Oh. I was going to support you in your time of despair and sadness for picking the wrong winner. I was going to and really And rub it in after know, that? You know, I, I have to do something. You no, know, because yeah, I'm never well, right. Yeah. Let me have this moment. So that's <laughs> I was right. Really...
1: All right. We'll see everybody next week. Yes.
0: Bye. Bye. A
1: survivor and you're feeling down. David and Jessica will turn it
0: around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how you played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is for blind Baby,
1: this is for blind